Hey everyone, it's Riley Bowman with the Concealed Carry Podcast. Before we get today's episode started, I had a quick message for you of a special listeners-only bonus available this week and this week only up through Friday night, midnight. That's December 13th at midnight mountain time is when this bonus for listeners only expires. And what this is, is a tactical pen, a free tactical pen available to those that take advantage of our new Range Tech Bluetooth shot timer. If you purchase that and send us or forward us a copy of your emailed receipt by Friday night, midnight, mountain time, we're going to give you, in addition to the other bonuses that already come along with the new Range Tech BT shot timer during the special launch period, in addition to those other bonuses, we'll give you that additional free tactical pen that's available only for podcast listeners. And what you got to do is you got to forward us your emailed receipt to podcast at concealedcarry.com. And we'll make sure we include one of those free tactical pens in your package when your shot timer ships out. To take advantage of the new shot timer during this launch period and all of its bonuses, go to concealedcarry.com forward slash timer bonus. Now let's get on with the show. This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 372. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by producer extraordinaire, co-host, special, talented dude, Matthew Marister. <laughs> hey, what's up, Riley? Glad to have you back. What is up? So I am thrilled to be back. I am thrilled to be back live with the podcast. Uh, we are streaming this live on Facebook and YouTube. Folks, if you uh, ever want to catch the live stream, feel free to join us typically on Tuesdays and Thursdays on Facebook, on our Facebook page and on our YouTube channel concealedcarry.com it's actually spelled out concealedcarry d-o-t-c-o-m channel on youtube <clears throat> and make sure you subscribe to those things while you're at it uh, or if you just prefer to listen to the audio podcast well you know what we love you our longtime loyal podcast listeners today's episode is going to be kind of all over the place uh, we're going to introduce kind of a new segment I'm not going to tease it too much here in the beginning, so keep you waiting for that special little kind of a, we're just going to tweak things a little bit, and this will probably be the format for the first Thursday episode of the month going forward, at least for the foreseeable future at this time. But then we're going to get into a discussion actually inspired by a question that came in from a listener asking about soft-sided holsters, and particularly he asked about sticky holsters, which is a topic that uh, Jacob and I kind of, we talked about. I think it was maybe one of his picks, or maybe he reviewed it. I don't remember exactly, but but this listener asked about sticky holsters, and so we'll broaden that a little bit. We'll just talk about soft-sided holsters uh, that are similar to that design. There's some, I think, some valuable things that Matthew, and I'd like to actually get Matthew's input on on that as well. And then... We're also going to get into a discussion about the recent event. It was like a week or two ago now. Uh, this actually, I guess, about two weeks ago now. Uh, <clears throat> this was like a supposed red flag incident where this guy was live streaming all this on social media while he had police officers surrounding his house and stuff, and it kind of went viral in the community, uh, and probably not for the best. And so this episode is titled Soft-Sided Holsters and the Importance of Responsibility in the 2A Community because we do have a responsibility I think to uh, to get things right, to get our facts straight and uh, to to be responsible about the things we promote or don't promote. Um, so I think that's a worthwhile discussion. We'll, we'll get into that today. And if we have any remaining time, which is doubtful, uh, I'll go to the bucket of questions from listeners. Because Generally, we get questions that come in and we'll respond to those via email or on our Facebook page uh, if appropriate. Uh, but, you know, sometimes we'll still bring those up as, as uh, topic suggestions on the podcast as well. So anyway... <clears throat> Let's do it. But first, today's episode is made possible, brought to you by LASR, 
stands for laser activated shot reporter. This is the dry fire software that we talk about and have talked about for years now. And I use it and I freaking love it. And it's, it's, it's just, you know, I have all these different dry fire tools and resources, Matthew. I, I think you do probably as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you kind of have like these different things that go in various buckets. And so kind of depending on what, what I want to work on, uh, you know, I'll, I'll use the appropriate tools and the laser app software available at uh, laserapp.com. That's L A S R A P P. So don't, don't misspell it as laser L A S E R. It's, it's an acronym L A S R app.com. The software available there uh, is th- the best software that exists on planet earth for this type of use. And what it is, is you use a webcam on a, you, you can run this on a computer. You can run it on a tablet now with their new Laser X version of the app. You can run it on like a iPhone or Android phone or whatever. And it's going to use a, a webcam. You set it up in the direction where you are going to have your targets. You put targets up on the wall. You draw little outlines or shapes or whatever in the on the targets or in the hit areas of those targets. And then it sees laser beams yes like star wars it sees laser beams impacting (laughs) it sees the laser dot uh from a cert pistol from a laser cartridge that you're using in your gun in your actual live fire gun you know those little laser cartridges uh inserts which those are available for sale on our website in case people don't know uh certs are of course also available on our website in fact cert pistol is the other sponsor of today's episode uh i'll come back to that but uh Laserapp.com is where you can learn more about the laser app dry fire software. And if you're looking to kind of, ha- if you're looking to make your training more fun at home and also Im- actually improve, cause it's actually useful. I've seen some of these other softwares out there, Matthew. Yes. And some of them are just kind of like, they're sort of just games or they're just not that advanced mm-hmm. you know in their development and so laser app has actually helped me in some ways become a better shooter so check it out laserapp.com that's l-a-s-r-a-p-p.com and then i mentioned cert pistols from next next level training being the other episode sponsor today and we love cert pistol and it just makes sense to pair a cert pistol together with the laser app software so pick one of those up concealedcarry.com forward slash cert s-i-r-t f-y-i concealedcarry.com pretty much has some of the best pricing available on the interwebs for cert pistols so go get yourself one if you need it or if if you don't already have it because if you don't already have it you need it so concealedcarry.com forward slash cert s-i-r-t so Let's get into our new segment, Matthew. Let's do it. This is the Shooter Ready Challenge segment. You know, folks, uh, we've, we've talked about it on a few episodes in the past, and this has been going now. We're into our third month. We've been doing it basically two months, but we just started our third month. The month of December, we have the Shooter Ready Challenge. Uh, what is that? Well, you know what? I'm going to hand it over to Matthew because mm. I want to put him on the spot. Cool. And I'd like to hear from you, Matthew, your description of what Shooter Ready Challenge is. Yeah, so it's it's a pretty cool thing. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, um, you may want to. So basically, each month, we're going to give you um, a drill that you can run um, using LASR, your cert pistol, any sort of laser training device. You don't have to have those um, uh, the LASR software to do the the drill, but it will benefit you in a way because you will automatically be, if you, if you complete the monthly drill and you submit it, uh, by using the LASR software and all that, um, you will be automatically entered to win. What is it? 200 or 250 rounds, 200 rounds, of 200 nine rounds. millimeter from ammo supply warehouse.com. Yeah. So, I mean, it's awesome. All you got to do is you go in there. uh, Riley does a great job. He sets up the drill, shows you how to set it up with using the software, how to run the drill, why it's beneficial, what skills it's kind of developing. And then you run it. You don't have to be the, you know, the quickest time or the most accurate. It's not based off of that. What the goal is, is to have you doing something 
each month. And I know if you're in, you know, Ohio or one of the uh, Midwest, Eastern states, and it starts getting snowy out, you can't get out to the range as much as you want. So utilizing those tools to at least get some training throughout the month is is really important. And, you know, we kind of, uh, LASR and us and Ammo Supply Warehouse kind of incentivize you doing it by saying, hey, if you do it and you get selected, uh, here's some ammo to go out and actually confirm those skills and see how you're developing out and, you know, um, with live rounds. So it's, it's, it's a really cool, cool little program. Yep. Yep. There you go. Uh, yeah. Here's the thing. We want to inspire and encourage shooters like all of you listening, viewing, whatever today to do more practice. And I mean, I, I want you to go to the range more and practice there, of course, but I also want to encourage and inspire you to dry fire practice at home. And so we partnered with the Laser App team. They're, this, they're kind of the sponsor of the whole Shooter Ready Challenge uh, thing, concept. And uh, it's just kind of like a match made in heaven, you know, because they have a great software that enables this to be possible. Um, and also, when particularly, so here's the deal. When you use the Laser X software, that is the, the newest version that works on any internet-connected device because it runs through your browser. So, and the reason for that, by the way, in case people are wondering, is because they're, they were able to create that software to where it's compatible with virtually everything. Uh, there's just, you open a whole can of worms when you try to, well, we had the laser app software available only on Windows computers for the first couple of years. And there were some specific reasons for that because by trying to make it available for Macs and other things, it was just going to make the development costs and all of that way more complicated and way more expensive. And, and you know, well, wait, I want to run it on my iPad or I want to run it on this thing or I want to run it on that thing. Well, okay, so they create a Laser X, which runs in the browser and it works with everything. And it's really genius. And the other advantage there is that it can keep track of everything in the cloud. So all your scores and your times and all of that is recorded virtually in the cloud as you run the software. And so you can go back and review uh, your performance. You can see various statistics and automatically we're able to track who participates in these drills each month, these shooter ready challenge drills. And from that list, we randomly select one of you lucky buggers out there to get 200 rounds of nine millimeter ammo from ammosplywarehouse.com. And so the beauty of that is now you're encouraged to do dry fire and then you're encouraged to go to the range and shoot because we're giving away ammo. So anyway, um, this month's shooter ready challenge is what we call the three amigos drill. Uh, that's literally what it's called in the laser X app software. And the three amigos drill uses three targets. So you set up three targets and what I love about the Shooter Ready Challenge drills is that it, it encourages accuracy first, accuracy and precision. Then it encourages you to just sort of, you know, just just go, you know, no holds barred. You know, just just go for it. You know, just go as fast as you can. Right, do the same drill and go fast. And then you run a third iteration. And I can't guarantee this is going to be the the same, or that this is going to be true for all shooter ready challenge drills going, you know, in the future. But what we've been doing so far is kind of working our way through some of these, uh, and, and so this is kind of how these ones work. So you do an accuracy standard essentially, then you do a speed one, and then you do it this third time, and it encourages you to balance those two. And I think that's really smart, really genius. Uh, it's a great way to encourage shooters to learn. So we, we learn first how to do things correctly and precisely, consistently, uh, accurately. And then we learn how to, okay, what's what's the limit of human performance for me personally? Like, what can I do speed-wise? And now what can I do, you know, to, to balance those two, the, the two sides of the, of the equation? And it's it's really great. By the way, Shooter Ready Challenge is available at Shooter ShooterReadyChallenge.com. ShooterReadyChallenge.com is where you can go each month and see what the challenge is and then go and do it. Three amigos. Let's come back to that. So you have three targets. It's, it's really a basic transition drill. 
And I was thinking about this recently, Matthew, because, you know, a lot of times we do these various drills where we're transitioning between targets, you know, one, two, three, maybe we're doing like, maybe even like a triple nickel drill, which is five targets, one, two, three, four, five, two shots per each. Um, or even the chaos drill, which is a favorite of mine and, and is, is one that was created by Kyle Lamb, uh, where you got, again, five targets and you're transitioning. You have close and wide transitions. <clears throat> and I was thinking about it because I think a lot of times defensive shooters kind of look at that kind of stuff and go, well, in the in a defensive context, those kinds of transitions are probably not very realistic. Because if you if you watch a lot of real life shootings, you know we have so much surveillance video and cell phone video and things these days. It's not very often you have three bad guys all lined up, <laughs> equally spaced, <laughs> and that you have the opportunity to shoot all three of them equally. Right. You know, like two rounds to this guy, two rounds to that guy, and then two rounds to that guy. You know what I mean? Like typically when shots start getting fired, people start moving. And they, the bad guys will start scrambling sometimes all sorts of different directions too. I, I just watched one on uh, John Korea's active self-protection channel yesterday, or maybe it was the day before where one bad guy ran literally one direction. The other guy went the complete opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember which, but one of them was going to their getaway car. And the other guy went, wait, <laughs> the car's over there. You know, like he then runs after the car and like his buddy's already taking off. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's running alongside the car, you know, because they're, they're probably shocked just as much as the good guys are shocked when they are ambushed or counter ambushed. Uh, and, and so people start scrambling. So you don't have three people or even two people or whatever that you're probably shooting a lot of times, like we do in some of these drills and not only that, but like there's the tactical and, and also even like the legal component of this where it's like, well, you know, I shoot this guy, but I need to be assessing, okay, is this guy still, or is he now a threat? Because I can't just assume that it, there, we got to be cautious. You know, we got to be cautious that, well, I shoot this guy, but by the time I transition over to where this guy would have been, he's now actually back facing me and running the other direction. But because I've just sort of automatically programmed that into my response, mm-hmm. I've already made that decision. I'm going to shoot. Now you're shooting a guy in the back as he's making an escape. And maybe he doesn't even have a weapon in his hands. Like in some contexts, if you had two bad guys with each with guns and you shoot this guy, but that guy starts to move and you shoot him though. And it's like, well, okay, well he had a gun, you know, it's kind of, there's a little bit more leeway there, but what if that guy doesn't have a gun or doesn't have a weapon? Now it starts, you know, looking really, it could be really uh, a bad idea mm-hmm. is my point. So, all right. So I'm explaining all that. Here is my thought though, Matthew. I was thinking this up the other day and I was like, well, you know, why, why do we do all these transition drills? And it's great for a competition world because you have a lot of transitions typically in competition, in, in action shooting, right? Uh, action pistol shooting. Um, but then I thought about this. In real world, you might have a bad guy and he needs shooting and you start shooting him, but he starts to move. Mm -hmm. Well, every time your bad guy moves and you fire and then you recover from recoil and you get back on target, you're hopefully tracking him. That's kind of like a second target. You're really having to take another sight picture, right? Your target has moved. Maybe the distance has even increased and you've had to move. And so everything has changed in that moment from shot to shot. That's kind of like a transition drill in a way. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking as you were talking. And and I think it's important because a lot of people, the idea is of, of, of doing these transition drills is that you learn the proper technique because the technique if you learn the proper technique, it's not just applied to shooting target one, two, three, or one and three and back to one. It's actually how to track, how to, how to move your gun and your eyes so that you can efficiently get, get sight alignment and sight picture on a threat that isn't in where it was before. Right. Yep. And so what you're saying is, is hundred percent correct. Uh, if I'm shooting a target and they start to take off, if I've never really understood how to track and how my body reacts and, and the best methods to do it, um, then I'm going to be behind the power curve because it, 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 
it will manifest itself if you've ever shot multiple targets because you know, and you don't even have to do this on the range. If you just try, use your LASR, your laser pistol, or, you know, use your handgun if you're just sitting there listening and point it at a target and pretend you're squeezing the trigger on, you know, a light switch, then move over and try to stop your hand on another object that's 10 feet away. And you're likely to overshoot that that target, right? Because that's the improper way to do it, right? Your eyes and your gun can't follow the same path because you end up moving past your target. And so by learning the proper uh, technique and you you explained it in in your video uh, pretty really well, um, you can be better equipped to track targets, to move the gun and your eyes and and be more efficient. So yeah, I I get it when people say, yeah, you're not going to be on one, three, one, four, one, five. Yeah, of course. Um, but it's the technique that you're developing and, and the abilities that will will help you in other in other aspects or respects. Yeah. Now, listen, in case anybody misunderstands what I'm saying, I, I understand it. it is still different, right? The idea of having multiple targets and transitioning between them, that, that's still different than shooting a moving target. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it's really difficult. There's very few ranges that are even equipped to allow us to practice on actual moving targets. And so... What a transition drill is doing is it's it's just it's breaking up the process, okay? Where where it's so easy to just get locked in on I'm going to stand right here this one place and I'm going to shoot this one target, and yeah, we there's a lot of great drills that we can run that are on a static position on a static target uh, that 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 test a lot of valid things that have a lot of value in them as far as testing and challenging shooting skill, but. It, again, it's this is just sort of breaking up that process, and it's making it a little bit more challenging. Uh, and I'll tell you, when you start really pushing speed quickly with transitions, it's going to appear as though you are moving with and tracking a moving target because you're going to be going so fast when you get to that level. All right, and you can do that, and you can transition, and you can see everything you need to see, and do it uh, really quickly. It's gonna, it's it's gonna look pretty much like you are moving with and tracking a moving target, and so. That's it's kind of a recent sort of, you know, revelation for me to go, oh, you know what? I think there's actually some validity to the way I just explained uh, a, a good reason for doing transition drills, I think, now. Um, so kind of wrap, having wrapped my head around that a little bit and, and thought about it some more, um, that's how I would explain it. To so, so that a drill like this ha- still has value for both the competitive shooters and the defensive shooters alike. Uh, all right. So the three amigos drill is, is really simple. There's, I know some questions here from live viewers. Uh, it, someone asks, is it like the three threat drill or whatever? I, you know, to be honest with you, there's so many different drills out there. that are similar that the three threat drill, that sounds familiar. I'm sure I know what that is, but there's just, there's so many things out there and, and it's, yeah, I, there's only so many different ways you can call it. What this is, is three targets and it's really basic. Uh, guys, this is so basic. It is literally you draw and you put a round on target one, a target, and then a round on target two, and then a round on target three. And then I think the software has you run it reverse and go three and then two and one. Not not in the same, you know, run. Not one, two, three, and then three, two, one. It's just like it's two separate drills, but it has you, you know, go one, two, three, and then in there, I think it calls it the reverse three amigos or three amigos reversed or something. Um, Really basic. Keep keep in mind, a lot of these drills for the shooter ready challenge are not difficult necessarily or complex or complicated drills. They're not really intended to be necessarily either. What's really important here is that we're focused on the the shooting skills that are involved. And so with a, this is basically a transition drill. Uh, What we have are, multiple targets and so we have multiple different site pictures that we've got to we have to acquire and we got to make you know well-aimed shots on each of those different targets so i don't i don't want to spend too much time on this uh with the new segment the idea is to take kind of some of the skills or uh you know some of the tips even that you know that that might apply to this this month's shooter ready challenge and kind of discuss those and break those down. Um, I saw this as an opportunity to kind of explain um, why something like this has value to a shooter 
and and how I think there's some relation to a shooter developing the skill of being able to shoot at a moving target. I think this is one of the better ways we can do it, especially in dry fire practice. Now with transitions, here's the thing, um, Matthew. I even ex- I explained this in this video. I talked about transitioning from target to target, and the the importance of leading with the eyes. Mm-hmm. That you know, I shoot this target, and then my eyes snap over to my next target, and my hands and, and the gun follow there, and I shoot that one. And, you know that that we're leading with the eyes. Well, recently I was in this uh, bigger circle uh, course together with Mike Seeklander and Rob Latham. And they basically said, that's a bunch of bunk. Hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, you're like, eh, what? Er, I, that's what I've heard, you know, from like every legit instructor for the last 15, 20 years or whatever, you know? Um, and I was like, eh, <laughs> and they basically said, go watch any top tier shooter shoot you know, a a transition drill like this and watch their transitions and watch what's happening. And their point was that the eyes and the hands and the gun and everything are moving almost simultaneously. And and because basically you're, you're actually intentionally slowing yourself down. If you shoot this target and then you don't allow your hands to move until your eyes are on that next target. And I was thinking about that as they started explaining that I was like, well, I think what they're saying, there's, there's truth there. And I still think that leading with the eyes, there's also some truth there, but maybe leading with the eyes is, is sort of like a misnomer for what's actually taking place. Rob Latham's really big about explaining things, not overcomplicating things and just speaking the truth. Right. Like just saying like, this is what's actually taking place. You know, he asks somebody like, why did you miss that shot? Um, because I anticipated. And he's like, no, think simpler than that. Uh, and then, like the shooter's having a hard time understanding what he, what he's trying to get at. And he's like, you missed because the gun moved right as the shot or just before the shot broke. Like that, that's kind of Rob Latham's world is let's, let's stop throwing around well anticipation or healing the gun or whatever, you know, it's just, you missed because you were aiming, but then the gun moved and then it fired. But it happens sometimes so simultaneously you don't realize that or you don't see it, right? right. And so, um, <clears throat> so anyway, I was thinking about this whole transition thing and I was trying to like wrap my head around what they were trying to communicate. And, and I, there's truth in what they're saying that if, if you are waiting to move your hands until your eyes have gotten to the next target, then you're already a step behind. Um, so things do really need to kind of start moving together. But I think what it is is that our eyes and our hands are together on this target. And then our eyes and our hands kind of separate because they may not move at the same pace, but they're moving basically at the same time. Mm-hmm. And maybe the eyes get there a little bit early and then the hands get there and then we go. Like, so I think that's actually important context. So take the, this month's Shooter Ready Challenge video. Go watch it at ShooterReadyChallenge.com. What I, what I explained there, I, I still will stand behind. I think it's still, there's there's value there, but when we put this into a live fire context and you are practicing transitions at the range, just remember this, that if you want to be fast on transitions, you can't be recovering the gun on the target and waiting there as you're shifting your eyes and then going like it. What, I mean, it's okay to maybe, I think do that as practice as you're going through things kind of slowly. Okay. Shoot. All right. My eye finds a target and then things start to move. But as you begin picking up the speed, realize that that all needs to kind of happen together. But I I do think, I feel like the eyes get on the target first and then the hands arrive there. Well, think, think about when you draw the firearm, right? Like when you're drawing the firearm, you're looking at a target, right? You're not tracking your sights out of the holster and then bringing them up to the target. So your your focus, your target focused, you bring the firearm up, you pick up the sights, and the sights go to where your eyes are focused. Um, it, it, for, in my mind, and, and I, I respect both of those guys tremendously, and I'm not saying they're wrong. I think they're right. Um, but as you transition, I think similarly, your eyes can lead just slightly ahead, and you bring the sights up to where your, your, your focus is on that secondary target that you just transitioned to. I, I, I don't think that 
you know, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some people teach like you turn your head completely, you leave the gun pointed in a towards the old target, and then you turn. In my mind, it's almost happening simultaneously, but your eyes still focus, and then you bring the the the, the sights to where you're focused. I think that's yeah. efficient. Um, yeah, I, I think you know. And here's another way to explain, kind of almost to explain what not to do. And I think this is one of the reasons why we use the explanation of lead with your eyes, let your eyes, you know, transition first and then your hands and and the gun will follow there. Uh, And the reason why is because what we don't want to see is I'm going to do this facing the camera for those that are viewing live for everybody else. I'll try to explain what's going on here, but let's say that I'm, this is really awkward over top or around my mic, but let's say that I'm here on the target. Okay. My eyes and my gun are in the same place, right on the target. And I take my shot. What we don't want to see is that my eyes and everything kind of stay with the hands and I'm trying to maintain like a sight picture. So in other words, my eyes and the gun are moving with each other. There's going to be separation. Okay. Even if theoretically a shooter is so fast that they take their shots and the eyes and the hands move at the same speed, they're, they're not together right? The eyes not following the gun or staying with the gun. There's separation there, meaning that, that the eyes not focused on the gun. The gun's not, and you know, there's, there's nothing important going on there. What's important is we're getting to that next target. And then the hands in the gun are getting there. And then we're seeing our, whatever our sight picture needs to be. And we're taking our next shot. Does that make sense? So what we don't want to do is have because we've seen this from shooters. We say, shoot this target and then shoot this target. And they move everything together and they keep the eye basically locked in on the sights of the gun and they move it together across over to the next target. Is that, is that a good way of kind of explaining what not to do? Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. And I, and I think it just, uh, and we might be talking about split seconds here, right? Like the difference in time that it takes to do this or that. And and yep. Ken brings up a good a question and he says like, well, wouldn't it be, it might be just as fast as if, you know, I, I move the gun and my hands and my eyes all together. I over overshoot the target, but then come back. Doesn't that, you know, wouldn't that probably be about the same time? And I, I you know, and I've the never answered by the way is no. Yeah. I, I believe it's because I've, I've watched it. Yeah, I, I believe it probably would be slightly longer, but let's say it's not even about time. I think it's more about accuracy because I, I believe that you, you know, when you do that, I, and when I do it, I know because I overshoot the target, I always will shoot off to the right because I'm moving the gun that direction. Or if I'm going yeah. to the left, whereas if you lead with your eyes, y- y- your, your accuracy is going to be better overall. And I think, um, yeah. You know, yep. we can we can look at it as time, but not everything might be time, you know. And so um, if you it, 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 it might be accuracy, maybe you need to take a more accurate secondary shot. So it's not all about time. So yep. um, I think there's two two aspects to it, really. And I have some additional thoughts and opinions about, you know, and some other things that I think kind of come into play here that we could explain. But maybe we'll save that for another day. Uh Yeah. And, and, and there's actually some crossover into a lot of things we do uh, in the shooting sports, including moving our bodies and, you know, changing positions, including the draw even. And it has to do with acceleration and deceleration and, and, and the, the way we might do that. Um, I think with leading with the eyes and making sure our eyes get on that next target and not follow with the gun, that intuitively we sort of do the deceleration side of the equation more intuitively and naturally that that's that's where i'll leave it at that for today so again this month's shooter rated challenge is based around basically transitions it's transition drills through a drill called the three amigos it's right there all in the laser x app uh program uh you, you just go to laserapp.com Sign up for Laser X. You can do a monthly subscription. You can also buy lifetime access. It's basically the same cost of buying just the software for a standalone computer license. And it's got so many amazing things built into that program. And that's why we wanted to bring it to you, the shooters, through the Shooter Ready Challenge. And don't forget, you have the opportunity to win free ammunition just by playing. So, all right, we need to move along. (laughs) We're just kind of, you know, shooting from the hip here with you know everything here uh we had a meeting with jacob and we said hey we're gonna we're gonna kind of 
you know, add this element where we sort of talk about, discuss, and explain the shooter ready challenge for the month at the beginning of the month uh, on the podcast. And uh, there's, like I said, great lessons that can be learned from that. And so that's what we've done here. First time ever. Probably went a little long. Now we'll get into the next thing. Um, oh, and Cami asks, but you really need a webcam to get the full deal, right? So if you run it with a phone or an iPad or something like that, most of you probably already have, you know, it's got a phone built in, right? If you're using it on a computer, maybe your computer has a built-in webcam or maybe you need to add a third-party webcam. They're relatively inexpensive these days. So just get one, all right? It's, it, to me, it's all... Everything in this realm is money well spent because there's so much practice and value you can get out of it that, uh, you know, for pennies, pennies, when you think about it, compared to going to the range and launching slugs downrange with no plan or no, you know, real guidance. You know, you're just shooting rounds and like calling it practice. So anyway. We told you we talk about soft-sided holsters, and a question came in from a listener today. Listener Sean is his name, and he said that uh, he's been listening to the last few months, but uh, his question is about the safety of sticky holsters. Uh, he said he heard a host say he would use it in another show saying that soft holsters were unacceptable. He wanted some uh, clarification. And I think, like I said, I uh, Jacob and I did an episode, and I think this was uh, a review that he was doing because we, we we know you know we have our our uh, product review uh, in was it the third episode of the month or something like that on Tuesdays? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Uh, Matthew keeps me straight on the calendar, um, and and so Jacob talked about it, and Jacob is known for using and carrying a sticky holster, um, and then I made my my opinion pretty clear. I, I will not, at least for an IWB type solution where I'm just sticking it in my waistband and calling it good. What I have been on the record as saying is that I'll put a sticky holster or similar in my pocket and use it as a pocket holster. But uh, if I'm speaking just for myself, uh, so just keep in mind that everything that I'm saying right now, this is my opinion. Uh, I'd like to think that it's well-informed opinion, but it is opinion after all. I, I think there's better products out there to use as a pocket holster. Uh, even like the DeSantis, uh, I can't think what the actual product name is, but DeSantis makes a, a, a pocket holster that I think is, is a pretty decent pocket holster for like 18 bucks. Uh, I think it's way better than, than a sticky holster. Now sticky holster was designed originally to sort of like the Remora holsters, which is another similar concept. Right. It's, it's a soft, it's basically a, a pouch, the outside of it's got the sticky type material the idea being stick it in your waistband and with the tension of your pants slash belt you know and and that resistance of that sticky outside material keeps keeps it in place uh and you know it's like okay all right i i like having a clip or loop Mm -hmm. where it comes to a holster i like to know things are attached and that there's no way they're going to come detached now, I know users have said that holsters like that used in that manner, oh, it, it stays it stays put. It doesn't come out or anything like that. Well, I think that's true for probably most people in day-to-day life. But I could point you to a lot of video evidence that shows people that have to use their guns, ultimately, that started in some kind of physical altercation. And I don't have faith that as you are in some kind of, you know, tussle you know wrestling on the ground or anything like that like i just don't have faith it's staying put in a situation like that everybody's familiar too with the uh, fbi agent that was carrying i think in like a uh hybrid iwb holster like a like a leather kydex hybrid holster in kind of the small back or or very you know far back iwb position and did his front flip or back flip and his gun flew out of the holster yeah, I mean, it's not like we're doing backflips every day, but my point there is that's that was actually a hybrid holster that has some kind of actual retention, like where it's got a part of the kydex that sort of clicks onto the gun. But now you're talking about a holster that doesn't really have any retention other than you're relying upon the pressure that your waistband is placing around that holster, around the gun, and kind of keeping it in place. So. That's my input on that. 
Uh, I'll hand it over to you, Matthew. Yeah, I, I don't think I have much to add other than, you know, um, I, I'm reading the comments. You know, a lot of people are saying they like the Kydex, the hard-sided um, holsters and things like that. Um, for me, I, I look at the the soft holster and say, what are the benefits of having this versus this? So if there was something in the, inherent in, in a soft-sided, you know, one of those like sticky holsters, um, that allowed me to carry the gun where otherwise I wouldn't be able to, right? Like by using a Kydex holster or a holster with a clip, then maybe it would, it would, I, I would say, well, under certain circumstances, maybe that's the only holster you can use. Like a pocket holster, I think that that's a, a you know, you're, you don't need a clip for a pocket holster. So I think it, it suits itself well for that. Um, but as far as like inside the waistband, I just think that what are you trying to get away from by losing the clip? You know what I mean? On, on an inside the waistband, what benefits do you get? And I think maybe it's comfort and maybe for some types of clothing. Um, but I, I think nowadays there are so many really, really good, well-designed holsters that have clips and that are comfortable and that you, you really don't have to take the drawback of having a holster that's just held in your pants by how tight you make your belt. Yep. So, yep. Again, you know, so I think using it as a pocket holster or something, all right, cool, whatever. I think there's better solutions, but I don't see a problem with that necessarily. Um, so, but let's just kind of broaden this a little bit and uh, touch a little bit on soft-sided holsters just in general. Uh, now, this is almost a little bit of an awkward conversation to have because in the early days of the podcast, especially even, we had sponsoring the podcast was Brave Response which makes the Brave Response holster, which is a nylon holster, soft-sided. Um, and I've used the Brave Response holster and still occasionally will use the Brave Response holster in specific limited contexts. Mm -hmm. It should be known, by the way, I am sponsored by Brave Response as a shooter. Uh, now I know the guys over there very well and, and, you know, they've given me, they've thrown, you know, they give me a lot of love um, and supported me in my development as a shooter and going to competitions and things like that. Um, but, uh, and, and again, I, 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 I personally believe that there is a place and there is a context for holsters like that, but I believe that it's a limited context. So uh, for me, it's not a daily solution. For some people, it might be. I would encourage them to exercise caution because there, there are limitations and potential pitfalls to carrying in a soft sided holster. Um, I'm, I'm in, you know, my opinion these days is 95 plus percent of the time I'm using a all kydex holster or, or polymer or plastic, whatever. It's a hard holster, 360 degree wrap around the gun. Uh, the gun is secure. You cannot access a trigger no matter what it's there, you know, it's safe. Okay. It's a proven safe way and method of carrying a gun. And that's really important to me. And I carry an appendix position. So that's even doubly so important to me that there's just no way that the holster can do anything that would cause the gun to fire when we don't want it to fire. And so, but, you know, some of the, the challenges with soft-sided holsters, of course, uh, they, they collapse after you draw out of them. Um, they, you know, sometimes will fold in. And I, I'm speaking very generically, by the way. I'm not, I'm not talking about a specific holster or specific brand of holsters. I'm just speaking very generically. Um, you know, the, the, the trigger sometimes can be pressed through the material. Definitely have seen some that, where that's possible. Others are better than that, by the way, for the record. One of the reasons why I'm okay with the Brave Response holster is because as I've tested that specific thing, it I found it to be incredibly unlikely that something could push through the material and activate the trigger and fire the gun while it's in the holster. All right. And so I, I'm okay with that. Uh, but not all soft-sided holsters are created equal in that regard. And then also a lot of times we see that the holsters are sort of universally sized. They fit a variety of guns or a variety of different models. And some do that better than others. But the, the downside is, or at least what we sometimes see is that, well, it says it should fit this gun, but the reality is it does. 
but now I can't get a full firing hand grip on the gun when I go to draw it because it sits a little bit too deep. Or I've seen even some that it sits really almost a little too high out of the holster and you can actually sort of work your finger into the trigger guard uh, or something like that. And so, that, you know, again, exercise caution in that regard. So again, now, now so people may, may, may wonder when, when is it that I use a holster like this, particularly specifically the brave response holster. A lot of times it's when I'm going for a jog or for a run. Uh, and I throw on a pair of shorts, I throw on a t-shirt and I'll use a brave response holster because it's sort of like a belly band, sort of it has, it's, it has an integral belt. And so I don't have to have something clipped to the, the shorts or the, the, uh, sweatpants or anything like that. So it carries its own weight and it works very well in that regard. And that's when I use it. And, and when I'm working out, I'm typically standing, I'm running, I'm walking, uh, I'm not putting myself in a lot of contexts or situations where I am increasing the potential for failure of that if that particular holster and gun combination. So that's again what why and I why I still believe, even though I have friends in the industry that say never use a soft-sided holster, period. And I respect them for their opinion, that's fine. But I think that there are some contexts where it can be appropriate. I mean, belly bands have been around for a long time. My grandfather carried in a belly band way back in the day. So now granted it was a double action revolver. I'm not going to go into the too, too, more, too much more detail there, but that does sometimes maybe change things based on the gun that's being carried in a holster that maybe has some, some safety potential safety issues, particularly if it was with a gun with a lighter trigger. So, all right. I've gone on long enough. I want to throw it back again, back to you, Matthew, uh, some, some additional input or, or thoughts that you might have about soft sided holsters. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, I can't add anything. I, I see both. I mean, I see people saying, I, I, and I understand them saying, don't ever use a soft sided holster. I, I get it. They're not, they're not wrong. Um, in so far as that there are limitations to soft sided holsters, but I do think, like you said, there's application. I, I agree with hundred percent. I have the, the brave response. I use it, the appendix one. Um, and I, I, I use it quite often in the same context. Um, and so I think, um, I'm not sponsored by them like you, so I'm not as cool, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you totally. Um, but just make your, make your own, just, dis, just, you know, discern, make discern on your own, get the holster. If you can pull the trigger w- with it in the holster, then it's probably not the best holster to use. Um, so. Yeah. All right. Again, just our opinions. If Jacob were here, he would have a totally different uh, kind of angle on things, but uh, and that's okay. Um, I disagree with him in some areas, and he disagrees with me, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, but you know, if I'm speaking on, I'm just speaking honestly for me uh, as of right now. All right. Okay. Next topic is recently, Matthew. Uh, you were following this, and and I kind of. Yeah, I was in the middle of that three-day bigger circle course, and I just kind of was getting some various updates here and there or, or seeing some things on social media about this. I did recognize that it was getting a lot of traction across social media. A lot of people like, hey, we need to support this this brother of ours, this brother in arms. Right. Um, and that, that was kind of... As the facts and as the truth has come out, you know, that's one of the... That's probably the first thing I'll throw out there that where we've got to be cautious about jumping on these bandwagons like this. Now, Matthew, why don't you, I'm going to come back to my analysis there, but why don't you share with us uh, what was the situation that occurred here about two, two and a half weeks ago? Yeah. So if you, if you weren't aware, this is a quick synopsis. So um, a a guy who's on Instagram um, is called whiskey something. Uh, we'll call him Booth because that's his last name. Um, he's on Instagram. He starts to live stream uh, on Instagram a situation where he says, "Police have surrounded my home. They're coming after me because I have a thirty-round magazine. I'm a I'm a uh, combat vet, and I, I had a thirty-round magazine, and now they're coming to to uh, to take my my magazine under the auspice of a, a red flag law." And so 
he's live streaming this. He, he he's live streaming it out to all these people. Now, um, the backstory is, is the police say that they're going to serve a warrant on this guy, a, a felony domestic violence warrant. This is their side of the story, but nobody hears this side of the story yet. Um, when they get there, Booth puts it ha, has uh, his camis on and throws on a plate carrier and runs inside the home. Okay, doesn't come out. So they set they they uh, clear out the the surrounding houses and set up a perimeter and start trying to negotiate with this guy. While they're doing that, he is live streaming to a bunch of people on Instagram, and his following goes from like four hundred people to like one hundred and twenty thousand people, like in a matter of four hours. Um, everybody, you know, Colin Noir and, and a bunch of other high profile two A guys are are weighing in on this because he says the redcoats are outside my door. He's taking pictures of, you know, uh, police vehicles and things like that. So instinctively, because we are very, uh, I think at this time, people are very um, worried about these red flag laws and all the uh, all the unconstitutional laws that are being uh, passed, jump into full speed. They don't think, they don't discern, they don't say, hold on, let me, let me see if this is uh, what he's saying is true. And they start encouraging this guy by saying, oh, we're going to show up. We're not going to have this. This is the, this is the, the revolution. Here it goes. This, it's going down. They begin to start showing up at the scene. Okay. Um, tying up police resources at the scene. And they begin to call the police department over and over and over saying that you're violating this guy's rights. He's a veteran. What are you doing? Basically shutting down their call 911 call center for any emergency calls because they're so overwhelmed um, with, with telephone calls. So that's where I'll leave it. And I'll let you Riley pick it up and give your, you know, your assessment of, of kind of the fallout or, or what ends up happening. Yeah. Again, to be clear, uh, this gentleman and his his Instagram account, Whiskey Warrior Five Five Six, he beat up his wife. All right, and you know he was doing things on social media, and, and like he was clearly in, intoxicated. He was drinking, You're drinking whiskey, presumably. I guess. Uh, I I did watch. I saw one of his little clips at one point. I think it was one like Saturday night when I was uh, about to go to sleep uh, after a long day of training. And uh, I I was like, I I, just watching it, I kind of had some personal concerns and reservations about what I was observing there because I was like, he looks like he's drunk, drinking out of his his container. I mean, I've got water in this one here, but to me, just looking at him, looking at his eyes, listening to how he was speaking and he was kind of rambling on like, I have a tendency to ramble on, but I'm not intoxicated uh, when I ramble. <laughs> uh, you know, and I was just like, I don't, I don't know about this. Like, I like I could see that it was getting a lot of traction on social media, but I just was I had a, I had kind of an icky feeling. I think is probably the the best way to uh, to put it. So sounds like we have like an airplane on your end. Yeah, flying over my house. Yeah. They're, they're listening. It's a black helicopter. It's no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're coming. They're coming for you. So what was concerning is that you. So this blew up on social, and you had a lot, including some very big social media accounts out there, basically saying, "Let's mobilize. Let's head to New York." this is going to be the second shot heard around the world sort of thing. Like things are about to go down in upstate New York. And like, that is super, super concerning to me. So we talk about the responsibility we have as gun owners and as second amendment supporters in the second amendment pro gun community. This is, this is a really important thing to get right. If we're going to be encouraging people and even, even suggesting that we might need to quote unquote mobilize, get ready for the boogaloo, uh, then we need to make sure that we got our facts straight. And seven hours or whatever after some dude posts online that he's getting his guns taken away and this red flag thing's happening to him and all this stuff, like we don't know the full situation. Now, I agree there was, uh, and you observed this, Matthew, that 
it sounded like even law enforcement story changed a little bit. Yep. Hard to know what, you know, like with those kind of things, like even just looking at my own community here or the Denver metro area with any time that there's, you know, some kind of, I don't know, you, you, some kind of ongoing event, you know, some, some kind of ongoing criminal event. You got some dude that shot somebody and is holed up in a house. Like when you listen to how reporting and statements from police come out, stories change all the time. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Law enforcement agencies are very cautious about what they say about a situation, typically, because there's a lot of potential liability, legal liability from things that they put out into the social sphere. Uh, And so by nature of that, statements that might be kind of generic or might sound like one thing later sound like a completely different thing because more more details come to light or the agency determines that it's okay or it's more appropriate for them to to say more in the situation so i I don't know i don't know that that necessarily explains the evolving statements from that local uh, police department or sheriff's office uh but uh but but still it's we shouldn't be calling for the next revolution because some dude on social media says that they're coming to take his guns away. Yeah. Like that, that one event like that alone is not enough to be calling to the masses to go and revolutionize because we don't know the full context. Clearly what came out after the fact is this guy is a scumbag that beat up his wife and, and, you know, was issuing some threatening statements. So, you know, like if we mobilized over that, I mean, just look at how bad this makes the rest of us look when we start supporting this and it comes out that the story is not all of what it seems to be. Because I think people were interested in this because they felt like this might be this might be the dreaded, you know, red flag uh, law situation that we've all kind of dreamed up in our minds that somebody says something about their neighbor and cops show up to take his guns away. But it wasn't that simple. It wasn't a mistake like that, at least. So we have a responsibility to not be calling people to arms over unsubstantiated, uncorroborated social media reports. This was freak. This was reported on some, I won't say major mainstream uh, media sites, but was reported on several right wing conservative pro two way sites. Like this is going on. This is a big deal. Like, you know, pro two a pro two a, you know, like that's concerning to me that we, we jump on this bandwagon of again, an unsubstantiated, uncorroborated social media, one man reporting job. Yeah. And, and I agree. And, and there's a couple little, little uh, things I want to touch on and, and Ken, Ken mentioned this in, in the comments. He asked, was there a restraining order? Uh, and, and initially, one of the cops that was in the area said, supposedly heard a gunshot. Um, there were no firearms or magazines that were ever uh, uh, confiscated, so they didn't find them. doesn't mean that they weren't there, but um, they couldn't substantiate that there was actually a, a gun fired or anything like that. But um, as far as the restraining order in New York, um, and it's not the same in every single state, but in New York, if you are arrested uh, and you are the, 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 the suspect in a domestic violence uh, incident, and uh, at that time, the victim will automatically that will trigger the victim to be to have a restraining order right against you protecting her against the person who or him against the the, the uh, suspect in the in the d- domestic violence uh, incident that triggers their forfeiture uh, of firearms during that time. Okay, so. Um, in that sense, yes, there was a restraining order against him. He violated the restraining order when he returned and she called the police. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the issue is, is he violated the restraining order. He had they had a, a felony warrant for him. Um, and so my issue, you know, and I get it like I I, I am 100 percent behind standing up against tyrannical governments and, and things like that. 100 percent. 
I'm a hundred percent behind supporting veterans who um, are having difficulty coping and have marital problems and things like that and getting them help mental health and things like that, that they need, of course. Um, but I, I was also, uh, I was a crisis negotiator for our police department and, and I, I spoke with people trying to get them out of barricaded situations and, and, and things like that. And one of the hardest things is to to contact somebody while they're still on the phone with some or trying to get on the phone with a family member or they're live streaming and things like that, because what it ends up do, doing is, is undermining your ability to, to negotiate with this person and do it peacefully because they're in a excited state and all these people are kind of throwing fuel on the fire of this guy who's he possibly is drinking and intoxicated, but he's obviously not making very wise decisions by being barricaded inside his home and the potential for him to end up getting shot because he's being, you know, bolstered up by a bunch of people here and outside. It, it, it could have ended very badly for him and for anybody who showed up there and for police officers, it, it would have been a, a very bad situation. So I think we also have to like understand that um, and I'm not saying the police did everything right. I don't even know. Right. Like we don't know. And right. that's why we shouldn't jump and say the police are all uh, red coats or this guy is uh, is totally right. Like we don't know. And so I think what we have to do is look at how a lot of times if a if a uh, officer shoots, uh, you know, a, a black person, everybody immediately says that the officer was racist. And we know that that's not true, right? Like not every officer is racist, but that's the initial instinct because people are acting on their 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 it's not on intellect or discernment. It's on feelings, on their feelings. Like, well, I feel the police are racist. Therefore, this confirms it. And this is how it must have been. That's the same thing with the two-way community did in this situation. You know, the, the, the police are taking away firearms unconstitutionally. This yeah. guy says that this is happening. Therefore, that's true. And everybody acted without thinking. And it really, uh, for me, it just makes me kind of worried that, you know, we're going to give ourselves a black eye and make us all look like we're all lunatics on Ruby Ridge waiting to, waiting to shoot it out with the FBI when, you know, we're not even taking the steps to, to, to understand what's actually going on. So, um, I, you know, I hope this guy gets help. I really do. Yeah. I, I mean, he obviously has issues at home, which, which led to this and he threatened his wife with a, with a shotgun. That was the initial incident that caused the, the warrant to be issued. So I hope he gets help. But I, I think that we can, as a community, be more helpful in that respect rather than waiting for this is this is it. Let's all, you know, let's all roll. And I think that that was premature and, and could have ended up really, really hurting uh, a lot of people. Yep. Yep. Dude, I appreciate your thoughts on that. Uh, that was well spoken. By the way, I think you must have been a fantastic crisis negotiator because and I mean this actually in all seriousness, uh, guy, uh, folks, you know. If you had the privilege of knowing Matthew like I do personally, he is a very compassionate, understanding, uh, and like uh, I don't want to. I want to. I don't want to describe you as soft-spoken, but uh, you have a way. You have a calming influence, uh, a way of speaking to people in a calming manner. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I just want you know. I just want to recognize you, because Man, that's, you're a good dude. I appreciate that. Makes me feel good. Thank you. I appreciate that. And that's why we have you on the podcast because <laughs> we need that calming influence here sometimes. Yeah. Um, okay. So basically, the summary of of everything is, you know, we we can't believe everything we see, obviously, on social media. I know. Surprise, right? And we should exercise great caution in the the causes and uh, movements and events and things that we support, particularly when they're controversial and particularly when people start talking about things like it's the revolution, like it's time Um, for those that were saying stuff like that on social media. And I'm not, there's actually a pretty, there's several, but there's one very large social media channel in particular that uh, was saying some pretty strong things that, that, evening uh i think was incredibly irresponsible for them to be doing that um because while we kind of sometimes joke about social media influencers and just how influential they actually are they they are influential 
in variety in a variety of ways. Maybe not always in, in the best of ways, uh, but they do carry some influence and they reach a lot of people. And you should be responsible in how you reach those people. Agreed. Well, it's time to wrap up this episode. Again, today's episode brought to you by Laser App dry fire software head on over to laserapp.com and i would encourage you to check out the new laser x version of their application available on any internet connected device very affordable payment options as far as being able to do a monthly uh, subscription or even just buying it outright for a lifetime license i love 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 laser x and in fact one of the cool features this isn't this is a bonus upgrade so you actually do have to pay it's, i think it's very reasonable uh because i but i think it's a a feature that has a lot of potential you can actually connect multiple devices together and so you can actually have targets in different rooms on different walls in opposite directions so you will need multiple devices obviously running it but in this day and age most of us have a phone and a tablet or a phone at least in a laptop or something and uh yeah it's a really really cool i've i've had the opportunity of setting up i've had it even set up where i had a target on one wall a target on a second wall and then a target on a third wall and talk about practicing transitions that's a great way to practice transitions. So I love the Laser X application. Again, available at laserapp.com. And it pairs very nicely with the next level training CERT pistol. Pick one of those up today. Very, very reasonably priced at concealedcarry.com forward slash CERT. S I R T. So with that, it is time to wrap it up, let you all go, say goodbye. Uh, this being the Thursday episode of the week, we will be signing off for the weekend and wishing you all well, uh, and we'll see you back here next week. So, Matthew, appreciate you being on the show with me today. Thank you, sir. And so, take care, everybody. Don't forget, be safe out there, and specifically, train right, train often, and train safe. Reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws. But things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.